Mike Rags and Todd Burlich with a Blue Gold Report podcast. Fighting Irish sports from the inside out. Subscribe to the Blue Gold Report. It's not just talk, it's the Blue Gold Report. All right, it is the Blue Gold Report. Uh, Mike Rags with Todd Burlidge, and the band's back together again. We haven't been together doing a show for quite some time. As we get closer and closer to training camp, the kickoff, to a whole lot of fun, we're getting ramped up now. It is the end of July, and uh, before you know it, we'll be there on opening day. Uh, lots to get to. In fact, we're going to look at some of the big battles as training camp approaches um, and, and worth watching this year, uh, positions that are worth watching. Mason's going to check in again, our good buddy, uh, and we'll take a look at some recruiting uh, issues or not issues uh, good things I don't know good bad indifferent we don't know We're, we don't know until we talk to Mason and of course our expert is waiting bated breath to be on that is Todd Burlage a lead writer for uh, uh, Blue Gold Illustrated Todd it's been a while uh, I miss you man yeah, you too, Rags. I know summer schedules sometimes don't necessarily jive and, and the news slows up a little bit but trust me less than two weeks out from training camp I think we're going to have to hunker down here rags i think so too there's no <laughs> doubt about it because i tell you what i'm getting j- uh, jacked up about the season um yeah. and i hear a lot of talk now this is uh, off schedule here but i hear a lot of talk uh people already complaining about the cookie schedule that notre dame has uh, the the anti notre dame fans that i talk to the first thing they bring up is what the schedule looks like for them um i it's hard to disagree Considering yeah. looking at their home games, especially, but at the same time, I mean, you play the same teams every year. You throw in a couple of, uh, you know, other teams that want to make some money, and, and this is what happens. I mean, I don't know what they could do to make it better. Nothing, because you make these, you, you put these schedules together so many years out in advance. I mean, who would have thought that Louisville would be? You know, I think they've lost like eleven or twelve, maybe even thirteen straight games. It's like one of the longest streaks in the country. You wouldn't have seen that. A couple of years ago with right. Lamar Jackson winning the Heisman Trophy. And, you know, as you go down the schedule, certainly you wonder about a Bowling Green and a New Mexico. Um, certainly those were within your control. But Notre Dame does have the seven home games, so they are a little bit hamstrung in how they put the schedule together. I say at least there are three, and maybe this is not a good thing for Notre Dame, but the three real marquee games on this schedule are all road games. Uh, at Georgia, at Michigan, and at Stanford. So uh, hopefully that will help boost their stock if indeed they get into that playoff conversation again. And they certainly don't have the travel issues that we talked about a lot last year, too, going uh, west to east coast and New York. And they were kind of all over the place, especially the back half of that season. Obviously it didn't matter. I mean, they went undefeated. But at the same time, um, I don't think we'll be talking about travel as much as we did last year. That's a great point. I'm kind of scanning the schedule as you brought that up. Yes, certainly Louisville, no big deal there. Um, at Michigan, obviously no big deal there. Georgia, a little bit of a road trip. But everything is, you know, here on the basically the east side, uh, more closer to the east coast or midwest, other than, of course, the game at Stanford to end the season. But, yeah, that's a great point, Rags. They won't be up the tra- uh, that travel nightmare that they had last year. Well, let's get things started like we always do, and then we'll get into the position battles here uh, heading towards training camp. Uh, We start every show. Oh, by the way, wherever you found us, make sure you share us, rate and review us, and of course, follow us at Blue Gold Report. Now I can say, Todd, what are your Blue Gold Nuggets? A little five-pack, you know, when we uh, take a week off here, these stack up a little bit. I thought the biggest news, really, since last we chatted was uh, that the Notre Dame-Georgia game has been put in prime time, 8 p.m., no big surprise there, right, Rags? But in a way, it was, because 
CBS only picks one SEC game per year to run in prime time. With that, I found interesting, to be honest with you, right out of the gate. Only one. And since 2011, it's been Alabama-LSU. So Notre Dame slips in and breaks the streak, which actually obviously isn't a true SEC game, per se, but since Georgia is the home team, CBS has the broadcast rights. That's the game that CBS picked as being its marquee game um, of the season. What that means is, at this point, Rags, Notre Dame now has three primetime games, and typically all their road games are in primetime. Uh, at Louisville for the opener, 8 p.m. now at Georgia, that's 9-21, 8 p.m. And the home game, the one lone uh, primetime game here at home versus USC uh, on 10-12. Three games are still to be determined. The game times are still to be determined at Michigan on 10-26, at Duke on 11-9, and at Stanford on 11-30. Certainly you would think the Michigan game will definitely be in prime time unless both those teams collapse, which is unlikely. And if Notre Dame can hold its own, probably Stanford too. And who really knows about Duke? We'll have to see what they do with Duke. A little bit of an interesting note I thought this week. Malik Zaire, former Notre Dame quarterback, he has taken a job as a college football analyst with the CBS Sports Network. So good for him. He really is a well-spoken guy and a terrific analyst. He's been doing some side work rags on a show called Overtime, obviously a lesser-known show than anything CBS Sports Network will put up there. Um, He's only 24 years old, so he becomes one of the youngest college football analysts in kind of one of these big-boy positions uh, in the country obviously following in the footsteps of Brady Quinn, another former Irish quarterback who the folks here are clamoring like crazy for NBC to hire. We'll see if that ever comes to pass. <laughs> uh, and guess what, Rags? There's been a... I, I thought you literally wanted me to guess. <laughs> you didn't give me, I could guess anything at this point. <laughs> yeah, fair enough, fair enough. I could keep that a little bit open-ended on you there. There's been a Kevin Stefferson sighting. Oh, boy. This time, this time it has a little bit of good news. Kevin Stefferson was a blue gold nugget participant for, oh, I don't know, probably about two months worth of shows in a row. Uh, he is back in the news because he has landed to play for the Jacksonville State team in Jacksonville, Alabama. If It's, it's an FCS-level school meaning he will have two years of eligibility and will not have to sit out. He's going to wear the number one. He's obviously going to play wide receiver. We all remember Kevin Stefferson. Four arrests between August of 16 and January of 18. They ranged from pot in the car to trying to steal sweatpants from Macy's to more pot in the car, all kinds of good stuff there. So we wish him well. Well, maybe this relocation can help him turn his life around here. And again, it's a... Uh, uh, two years of eligibility there. They list him on the roster as a redshirt junior. Uh, Brian Kelly in a shorter nugget here. The reigning Bobby Dodd Coach of the Year trophy holder. Um, he is part of the 23-man watch list in the preseason to uh, to try and win that award again. Uh, you don't see repeat performances in that very in that very often. Finally, last nugget for you, Rags. Notre Dame. It's all wrapped up now. We just did our year in review issue for. Uh, Blue and Gold Illustrated. And Notre Dame finished 17th nationally in the Director's Cup standings. You're aware of this. The Director's Cup is, it encompasses all the sports, every sport among all the schools. And Notre Dame finished 17th. I always thought Notre Dame should do a little bit better than this. But uh, it uh, it did. What did it do here? Each school, okay, so you have all that. 
The 17th place finish for Notre Dame was the best since it also finished 17 in 2016. Stanford wins this thing every year, and it did again. As a matter of fact, Stanford has won this Director's Cup every year since 1995. Uh, Repeated again this year. Michigan was two, Florida was three, Texas was four, USC was five for what it's worth. Um, Notre Dame has fallen a little bit. Um, They had a nice run here with three consecutive top ten finishes in 2013 at number nine. 14 at number three, which is the school's best, and then a number 10 finish in 2015. Since then, it's been kind of floating around that upper teen range in rags. Those are your blue gold nuggets. Yeah, and I just saw we have breaking nuggets. That doesn't happen a lot either as we record <laughs> on Fridays, but uh, good news for Ian Book. He's actually on the watch list for the uh, Walter Camp Player of the Year Award, so there's 40 guys on there. He's one of them. 16 quarterbacks, 7 running backs, and 7 receivers and tight ends, 10 from the defensive side of the ball. So, Ian Book on a watch list. I think he's a. I think he's on one other watch list too. I thought yeah. I saw it come across the Davy O'Brien Award. So that's exactly it. Um, and we got Aloha Aloe with the. He's going to win the Buckus Award. We already know that the, the, he's going to get that. So I mean, it's a long shot for him to win this award, the Walter Camp Award, which is a big deal because I, I I think like 130 coaches vote for this thing. And uh, but you know what? On the watch list, nonetheless, uh, he he had a decent enough year last year to be on that list. Yeah, I was thinking about putting together all these watch list guys. I remember Tony Jones Jr. and Jafar Armstrong are on that Doke Walker award yep. watch list. But, you know, you can just go on and on with this, these things. And, and, and what do you call the, whole show. the Paul Horning, uh, what's his name, Jalen Elliott's up for that, too. I saw that. I mean, he's in on, on the watch list. I mean, I, I you know. It, the, one t- thing, the one thing that jumped out at me, Rags, though, is that both Chase Claypool and Chris Fink were snubbed on the Bolitnikoff award list. So yeah. I thought of, of, of the award list news, I thought that was uh, the omission was more important than the addition. Yeah, it's a great point, uh, nonetheless. But take these watch lists for what they're worth. I mean, it's, it's kind of like, uh, you know, preseason uh, polls. <laughs> it's, right. it's, only worse it's, it's, only worse exactly all right um before we get to Mason, we're going to talk about some recruiting and what's going on there i know you wanted to break down some of the you know th- there should be some heated competition and some position battles as we head towards training camp here uh, the weather's hot but so are some of the battles to get on the field in the fall yeah if, if, you know when you looked at last year 2018 really the team was such a veteran group and everything was very much established and you didn't have a lot of these position competitions. And frankly, in all honesty, you don't have a heck of a lot of them this year either with, with another group of veterans moving up through the ranks. I think that's probably kind of a good thing for a coach. I know he likes competition. You hear that all the time, and I get that. But at the same time, comparatively speaking, from this year to last year, there are a few. I think the one we've talked about at length, and we will continue to probably right up to opening day, is Trying to fill that Mike and Buck linebacker, those those two spots right there, that's the biggie that we're looking for because uh, that's your Tavon Coney, Drew Tranquil. You know, we can't help but reference in almost in every show. Uh, Fifth-year senior, Asmar Bilal, um, he will, he's probably the leading candidate at Mike, and I think he will ultimately land there. But it's only because of his experience. He's the only guy with any experience in this entire unit, really, although his experience came playing outside at Rover. Um, he's appeared in 38 games made 10 starts, and had 97 total tackles for his career. Uh, 50 coming last year, so certainly you need to get him and then just a little veteran experience in there. Um, but then you drop off to a couple sophomores uh, here to talk about. Sophomore Jack Lamb, he's probably the front runner to line up next to Bilal at the Buck linebacker. This guy is a freak athlete, Rags. We just haven't seen a lot from him yet. 
he will be in the rotation. I think he will end up earning that starting spot, and I think you're going to have Bilal at the mic and then Lamb at the buck as the starters. But a couple other sophomores, Shane Simon, who really came in as basically the highest recruit as far as height was concerned last year, he's still kind of finding his way, and Bo Bauer's another one. A couple gifted athletes that will get a lot of playing time here but I still think it's going to be Bilal and Lamb uh, as those two inside guys there with Simon and Bauer kind of filling in, doing their thing, at least part of the rotation. That number three wide receiver, I don't think this one is hot and heavy as the linebacker spot rags. I, You know, obviously we have Claypool and Fink. Fink on the slot, Claypool one of the outside guys. I think junior Michael Young did enough in the spring here and basically last year, the end of last year, he was showing a lot of improvement. Now, he only finished last season with seven total catches. He did have a TD, though, for sure, at 128 yards. And he had two of the longest pass plays of the entire season for Notre Dame. And I think, Rags, that's what's important because that's what these Notre Dame offensive coaches want to see. They want a speed burner on the outside that can make plays opposite Claypool, perhaps even free up Claypool into some one-on-one situations, and then perhaps even stretch that defense to work Fink underneath. They're looking for a reliable speed guy. I think Michael Young brings that. But keep an eye on a whole big group of sophomores we've talked about quite a bit, too. Lawrence Keyes third, Braden Lindsey, Kevin Austin, and Joe Wilkins, Jr., all these guys are capable of busting out and, and playing and at least making rotation in some form or fashion. We'll just see how much they have to do it. And so that's kind of a look at the wide receivers. Can can these sophomores, can this young group of four sophomores emerge and perhaps upset Michael Young? I don't think it's going to happen. When you look at the cornerback, the number two cornerback, that's another interesting position battle to watch. Obviously, senior Troy Pride Jr., he's a mainstay on this. He's going to be the starter on one side. But you're looking at a group of guys that are unproven again. And, and it seems like, Rags, maybe I should do a segment on this at some point. It seems like every player that I'm talking about that's trying to crack the lineup, trying to bust the lineup, is a sophomore. I just mentioned four wide receivers, sophomore, sophomore wide receivers. And then here we go, sophomore Houston Griffith and Tariq Bracey. Uh, a couple guys there that are going to try to start opposite Troy Pride Jr. Uh, you know, these guys did play last year, both Griffith and Bracey. Griffith had 14 tackles in 11 games. But he struggled to find the position a little bit there. He never really locked into anything. They kind of moved him around. Bracey, similar numbers, 15 tackles, 12 games. And then the third guy maybe fighting for this position is Dante Vaughn. Okay, well, unfortunately, Dante Vaughn, who certainly has, he's a senior, and he has 41 career tackles, he's going to be best remembered for the work that he tried to do in replacing Julian Love in the Clemson Cotton Bowl. Um, So he's healthy now. So we, we have to factor that in a little bit. But those three guys are going to battle it out, and I don't know that there's any clear front runner. You would hope it's Houston Griffith because he was another high-powered recruit here and a very athletic guy. You would hope it would be him, but there's some, some unsettlement, if that's a word, unsettlement uh, back there among these guys and where they're going to play and who's moving where. So something to watch there. The last one isn't truly a position competition that I have here. It's at left offensive guard, okay? Junior Aaron Banks, he's the man. He's got it. He's the starter. But he is recovering uh, from foot surgery right now. And the coaches during spring and summer and and any chance we've had to catch up with them have absolutely raved and raved about Junior Joshua Lug, Josh Lug. They love the work he's doing. Now, a lot of people say Banks, Aaron Banks, might have the highest upside of any of the Notre Dame linemen on the roster when it comes to professional aspirations and those types of things. 
but certainly Lug is breathing down his neck. So I don't know. Well, what do you end up here? You ha- you kind of feel like you have to get Lug on the field. Um, do Banks and Lug split time? That's a possibility because uh, certainly it keeps the guys fresh, keeps a little versatility in there, and it's not unheard of at Notre Dame. As a matter of fact, just two seasons ago in 2017, Tommy Kramer and Robert Hainsey shared time at that right tackle position and did a fabulous job. So while you think that maybe offensive line, you need that continuity and to split time in there, uh, kind of going two guys for one is not the best idea. Notre Dame has made it work, and I think that's what you might end up with. And, Rags, that's really when I'm looking down this list of really the competitions to watch during fall training camp, that's what I came up with. Again, there's not a whole heck of a lot of them. But, man, when you're talking about that linebacker position, that's by far the most important one. Wait a minute. Did you just go through anticipating position battles in summer camp and a quarterback was not brought up for Notre Dame? Oh, co- very nice point, my friend. The quarterback yes. position is is not in question here? There is not a battle going on? This is Wait a minute. Is this an alternate universe we're living in? You are so right, and that's so funny. And, yeah, it never even crossed my mind, Rags. How about that? God, we should go back. I think, I think we've done it before, but... Now, yes. I will preface this by saying that doesn't mean it won't arise. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> so we'll just yes, see what exactly. happens. A great September 9th is another day. <laughs> that's true. All right, he's kind of becoming a regular mainstay on the show. Uh, Mason uh, Plummer, uh, at Mason Plummer 6 is where you want to find him on Twitter from slapthesign.com. And uh, we've gotten a nice rapport with him as he gets us kind of up to date on what's going on uh, recruiting-wise. And, you know, Todd and I consider ourselves pretty much in the know here, Mason. And it's quite recently, I I haven't seen anything come across my little news feed here that's going to make me do some cartwheels. So it's your job now to make me do some cartwheels and get excited. Yeah, so unfortunately, it's been a couple swings and misses. The most recent one with Lathan Ransom. You know, everybody projected him going to Ohio State, and he did, but... uh, that one's not over. Um, this one could be one that could make you do some backflips. Ohio State could be getting punished with some scholarship penalties, which could help Notre Dame out with Clark Phillips, the third, the cornerback, and who uh, Notre Dame finished second with, and as well as Lathan Ransom, the safety, Notre Dame also finished second with. Um, both of these guys could be in effect. Um, Ohio State could lose some scholarships, and uh, like I said, both of those guys had Notre Dame as their second-best option after Ohio State, so we could see some things change very quickly here in recruiting. Well, that'll be interesting to track for sure, Mason. Talking to Mason Plummer, you can find him on Twitter at MasonPlummer6. Mason, you and I off the air a lot like to kind of banner back and forth about targets and what's next for this 2020 class and perhaps even the 2021s. Is anything jumping out at you as sort of key gets, key targets right now? Well, after Notre Dame was really high on Lathan Ransom, as I said, and uh, Missing out on him really hurt. The staff put a lot of time into him, and uh, losing him to a rival like Ohio State isn't ideal. But like I said, it's not quite over with him. But, um, yeah, so as I, as I noted in my article and uh, slapped the sign about a week ago, um, Jaron Thompson is a guy that Notre Dame is going to target heavily after losing out on Ransom as they kind of expected to. No one really knew where it was going to shake out, but it ended up going in Ohio State's way. He's a six foot, 185 pound safety. Ranked as number 14 safety on 24-7 sports. And, uh, yeah, he's, uh, he's had an official visit in September. Probably going to be the USC game. And then Malcolm Green as well, another safety that Notre Dame is really high on. So, uh, 
they're going to look to target that safety and continue to shore up a defensive backfield or possibly go for a defensive end or maybe even a linebacker at this point. Talk with Mason Plummer. You know, uh, Mason, that's important to get Jaron Thompson too, it looks like, because safety's looking thin 2020. And I know I read uh, that uh, Texas just put in another offer. He actually just tweeted it uh, yesterday, I believe I saw it. Uh, so Texas are looking to hook him hard. Uh, and so if they don't get Jaron Thompson, safety could be a, a, a kind of thin. It could be. Uh, you, you know, Kyle Hamilton is going to be what Notre Dame, if he is what Notre Dame hopes. He is. That, we're going to be okay there for a couple of years, and uh, we're going to see what happens with Houston Griffith. He's gone from safety to corner, then looks like back to safety, depending on what happens with Tariq Bracey and Troy Pride at the corner position. So uh, I feel confident in Hamilton and uh, Hamilton and uh, Houston Griffith in the safety position moving forward. But yeah, you definitely want to land somebody in the 2020 class, and I'm, I'm fairly confident it's going to be one of these two guys. But if not, they're in some big trouble. Mason Plummer, we're talking to, writes for Slap the Sign, has become a regular part of our program to talk some recruiting. Mason, first of all, I want to congratulate you on receiving a bigger role from Slap the Sign. If I'm following you correctly, you're going to do all sort of the uh, pregame buildup to the Notre Dame game, so that's a good get for you. I'm going to switch gears on you a little bit here, and I just want to ask you, this is something I, I just, I've, I've always been curious about because I've heard both sides of the coin as far as early signing day, and I know we're sitting here in the middle in, in late July, so talking about a December signing day may seem a little premature, but I, you know, I think it's worth always addressing a little bit. It seems to have sapped the life out of the February signing day, but it seems like the kids really enjoyed the December, the early signing day, because they can get it out of the way. What are your thoughts when you saw that adopted? Do you like it? Do you support it? Has it taken away from the big boy signing day, or is this something that's good for, the, for all college football? See, I think the early signing day, a lot of guys bring a lot of attention to their individual signings. You see that with, like, Lathan Ransom drug his out forever. A.J. Henning drug his out forever. And maybe it felt that way because Notre Dame locked out on both of those guys. But um, guys like to bring individual attention to their in, their signings, and it makes an impact in uh, just getting it out of the way. They want to be able to focus on their off-season, their off-season workouts and getting prepared for their junior or maybe even senior seasons. And, uh, yeah, not having that in the back of your mind where I'm going next year, I think it helps a lot of guys out, knowing where you're going and then just focusing on your season, senior season, playing good football, and then moving on to the next level, and hopefully a place like Notre Dame. Mason, last one for me. Let people know where they can find you, where they can find your work. We mentioned the Twitter account, but I know you have some other things going on out there. And tell me, tell us what's coming up next for you. Yeah, so uh, as you as you were saying earlier, I received a, I got a bigger role. I stopped the sign now. Last season, I was just doing defensive player of the game, which is a cool article. But at the same time, it gets published on Monday, and after games are on Saturdays, so people are already thinking about next week. So wasn't getting a ton of clicks there, but uh, yeah. So now I'm writing the the feature piece, the the game day preview, essentially that'll go out Saturday mornings. You'll find that every Saturday morning before the game, that's your one stop shop for everything you need to know before the game about either team impact players, injuries, all of the above, that I'll have it there. Um, yeah, you can follow me at Mason Plumber 6 on Twitter. Same on Instagram, everything. I uh, all Notre Dame all the time. Uh, Mason, rock, Mason, thank you so much. And uh, any truth to the rumor that your exposure on the Blue Gold Report got you said promotion? <laughs> I can't confirm, but I can't deny it. So, I mean, it's possible. <laughs> all right. Well, I expect to check in the mail anytime soon. Uh, Mason, congrats, and we'll talk soon. 
Todd, you know I'm a broke college kid, man. <laughs> exactly. I get it. I get it. All right, we'll have uh, we'll have some bush light together or something like that. <laughs> All right, man. All right, once again, Mason Plummer at Mason Plummer 6. Always a great segment. Uh, speaking of Blue Gold Nuggets, you found a nugget with Mason there, uh, Todd. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, he was. Uh, we, we text quite a bit. I, I'm kind of trying to help him out further his career a little bit here and getting him some opportunities to get into stuff. And uh, Yeah, indeed. Nice, nice get for him. Those are so much fun to do, Rags. I, I've had a chance to absolutely write game preview stories from both the opponent side and then the home team side and it's a lot of fun and you learn a lot i'll tell you what you really get to know an opponent when you do those so good for mason he's going to get a lot of clicks on that you're such a mentor todd i tell you you're my mentor too I, I love you man uh, all right well we turn the calendar uh i don't know if you noticed but next friday is august so um, that means right. we ramp up the blue gold reports here and we get you ready for a kickoff uh and all these games are kicking off I mean, less than a month now, uh, Todd, the season gets started. So just about a month away from mm-hmm. real college football, games that mean everything. And the reason we love college football is every week means something, Todd, and we're looking forward to it. Yeah, for sure. It'll be a very exciting. It'll be a good show, too, because, I mean, we'll talk about camp opening, give you the schedule, the layout of what's going to happen. And then from that point on, we'll be able to get Brian Kelly and get some audio clips and get the players and whatnot. And I think that's what makes the show great. Every show's great. Let's not fool anybody. Todd, uh, we will talk again next week, my friend. Sounds good, Rex. This has been a presentation of Optin Productions. Podcasts by Federated Media. Podcasts by Federated Media.